worship him in spirit and in truth. It is wonderful to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike, and we like our visitors to know that you are honored guests. Let's go to God, please, together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much and thank you. And we ask for your blessings upon us as we hallow your name and as we serve you. And we ask that you will keep our minds focused on worship this morning. That we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Bless us to remember Jesus, your great son who died on that cruel cross of Calvary, that we might live. Help us, Lord God, to be able to leave this building blessed and stronger in our walk of faith that we might remain true to you throughout the week to come. And we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. We're going to Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing on spiritual alignment uh, this morning. God's people, as we recap and think about where we've gone, must be kind to all. We must seek after peace. And then this morning, and the hard stuff, we must love. That's the hard stuff. We're going to talk about that for a couple weeks. And you say, why would that be the hard stuff? I don't think I have to answer that question. I think we know it's hard to love your enemy. It's easy to love those who love you. So we're going to talk about that. The hard stuff. Law willing next week. But Galatians 5 verse 22 We're just talking about the fruit of the Spirit. When you align your life with Jesus, you're following and practicing the fruit of the Spirit, which is a sanctified work. But the fruit of the Spirit is, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And so the flesh in the first six, you know, verses preceding that, verses 16 and following, and then the fruit of the Spirit. But this morning, love. Hebrews chapter 12. While love is an emotion, in the Bible, it is also demonstrated as an observable action. And though feeling loved positively, we, we, without a question in our minds, stimulates our minds, the action of love is more defining. You can see love. It's better than what we feel. It is critical that we are careful about defining love. And we'll define love in just a moment. But do not be mistaken And define love by feelings. That will be a mistake. I'm going to show you that in a moment. It is critical that we are very careful with how we define love. Look, here's the truth. A person can be loved and yet not feel love. Would you agree? 
And a person could feel loved and yet not be loved. We have to be very careful of how we define our love based on our emotions or our feelings. Look at Hebrews 12, beginning at verse, verse 4. You've not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint while you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, here's a question for you. How loved did you feel? Or how loved do you feel in the midst of your own personal discipline when you are being disciplined? When I grew up being disciplined, while being disciplined, you wonder how your parents could say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I didn't quite feel loved during that moment of discipline, but God says, I discipline you. And sometimes in our world, the world has mistaken God's love for them in an hour in which they are being disciplined or have been disciplined. We might not want to discipline our children, church. Proverbs 13, let's go take a look. Proverbs 13, and and we're going to look at verse, uh, verse 24. It's still in the Bible. I know that it's not popular. In fact, the Bible is not too popular today. Proverbs 13 in verse 24, this is what God says. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. It doesn't make sense. You're telling me not to spare the rod on the child in whom I love, but you know when I spank, when I, when I spank that child, it's going to hurt them a little bit. I mean, God's not talking about abuse. How is that love? And God says, if you don't discipline your child, you hate him. Is that really what love is? Proverbs 22 and verse, verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from. Is God right? Of course he is. Sometimes love can be tough. Right? Go back to Deuteronomy, please, chapter 8. You know, love also involves some suffering, right? You've heard of tough love, right? It, it involves some suffering. If you, don't, if you don't believe that, and you think about, uh, you know, discipline, look at Israel. Look, look at the suffering of Israel, and yet God said, I love you. Verse 2, it says, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell or foot swell these 40 years, thus you ought to know your heart, in your heart that the Lord your God 
was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. 40 years? Yeah. 40 years. I loved you throughout the entire 40 years. Never gauge love by an emotion. Hebrews, please. Chapter 12. And I know we like to feel loved. But that's a problem, you see. In the world, in the world of psychology, that's a problem. Because everybody wants to be loved. But you have to understand what love is to know if you are loved or not by God. We're going to just deal with God and you can fill in the rest of the pieces on your own. Verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So there's a process in love. I'm going back to Proverbs 27 for just a moment. There's a process. And a process in love that God gives us is just because you're being disciplined does not mean you're not loved. So some folks wonder, you know, I don't know why my life is the way it is right now. And if you look back at your your past, sometimes... uh, we recognize that I've been, I've been sowing some evil, and, and now I'm reaping that. And then we start saying when we're reaping it, I don't feel loved. It doesn't mean you're not loved. It just means you're being disciplined in that hour or in that moment. Proverbs, Deuteronomy, uh, rather, Proverbs 27, excuse me, verse 5 and verse 6. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Now tell me something. How do you feel... When people come to you in love and they, and they rebuke you or give you some constructive criticism, we don't always like that. Most people don't like to be told what to do. Most people don't like you to correct them. And yet God says that's better than for them to keep their mouths shut and not help you along the way. Verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. So a friend is going to love you and say, Hey, look, I got to talk to you about some stuff. That's the hard stuff, church. We don't like the hard stuff. Ephesians 4. God admonishes the preacher. Preacher, you go up there and preach. Understand this. You're not going to feel too loved. But you go up there and you preach the word of God. That is a mandate from the Lord. But he says, I want you to do something. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Speak the truth in love. We ought to grow up in all aspects of into him who is the head even Christ. I tell you what love is not for me to come up here and teach false doctrine. That's not love. But love is telling the truth and speaking God's truth as it is. Because I love you. Because I want you to go to heaven. Because I want to go to heaven. Let's talk about the emotion with just a moment. I want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. Let's talk about the emotion. You remember reading this account. I'm sure you do. I'm going to go back and, and just kind of review uh, it for just a moment and skip over a bit of it. You might have to go back and read the entire account if you feel necessary. Amnon and Tamar. Amnon and Tamar. Verse 1, the Bible says, 
Now it was after that, this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. How much did he love her? Verse 2 says, And Amnon was frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. He was love sick, right? For she was a virgin, and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. And so he was love sick. He had this emotion that was overwhelming, and it, he was love sick. He loved her. He loved her. He loved her. But watch this. Skip down to verse 10. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. When she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, no, my brother, but do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one who are the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not listen to her. Since he was stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. For the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up, go away. You call that love, church? Oh, I love her. No, you're infatuated with her. That's not love. But yet he had the feeling of love. All I'm saying this morning in introducing this lesson is to be careful uh, to define love by emotion. Be careful. Love is more than just an emotion. In fact, love is a decision, isn't it? Love is an action. Now, in the Bible, I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 4. In the Bible, we find that love is both a noun and a verb. Right? Uh, and so, 1 John chapter 4 and the verse 8, the, the Bible, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to show you what the Bible shows us about how to learn how to love. We have to learn how to love. We have to learn how to love. Learn how to love like God loves, right? 1 John 4, verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is. God is love. That, that is what God is. So uh, love is the, is the character of God. If you Everything God does, he does it within the character of who he is. God is love. He demonstrated that love, didn't he? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That, that's what God did. God, God, well, everything God does is out of the character. It flows out of the character of who God is. It's a, he, he shows us action. God is the noun. In chapter 3 of 1 John, he gives us a, a brief, if you will, definition of love. And then you have to fill in the pieces. Right? And then he says in verse 18, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in, in action and truth or in deed and truth. 
Love, love can be lip service. Oh, I love you. You, you know that I love you. Oh, no, no, I, I, I really, really love you. And you go, oh, I feel so good about it because they said they love me. And God said, look, that, that is not necessarily love. Love is action and truth. And so when 1 John 4 tells us that God is love, we know that God is love in two ways. God is love in action. He sent his son. He has done everything for our good. And God is love and truth because God cannot lie. God has, go to Hebrews chapter 6 for just a moment. God has never nor ever will lie. It is impossible for God to lie. You have to love that impossibility. You love that about God. It is impossible to, for God to not be faithful. Action. It is impossible for God to ever lie. You can always count on God. Everything you read in the Bible, you can trust that what God says is going to happen as it has happened in the past. That's love. Love is truth and love is action. So when someone says, you love me, I'm looking at your action and I'm watching your truth. Amen? You can take that home now. You can go home and you can look at your husband and your wife and say, here's why I know that my husband and my wife loves me because I look at their action and they're always honest with me. It is truth and it is action. You can put everything else, 1 Corinthians 13, you can put it all under action and truth and it fits so well. Verse 18, Hebrews chapter 6. In order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie... We may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge and laying hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one in which enters within the veil. And so love is, is truth and love is action. And so now you put all that together and you start thinking about life. And you, if you really think about life and you put it all together, you'll learn something. Some people that you thought loved you really did not. They loved you in word, but they didn't love you according to the Bible. Action and truth. And some people, I'm trying to be careful, that you've said you love, maybe, maybe I really don't love the people I say I love. Because my action displays something different. Causing my words to be dishonest. Well, preacher, give me an example. Well, I could hold you till next week, but how about some of your enemies? How about some of your enemies? And last week we were going to talk about how about some of the brethren? How, how about some of your closest friends and relatives? You, you really want to talk about love? Well, we have to, right? Love is, is being spiritually aligned with God, right? And, and it's the overarching theme of the Bible, right? We started out with kindness and we, we journeyed over to peace and now, and now we're looking at love and we're going, you know, when I think about this world, there is not a lot of love in this world. In fact, there's a very little bit of love in this world and that's where we're supposed to shine, church. We're supposed to show the world what love really is. See, I thought I knew what love was until I read the Word of God. And then when I start looking at God and I say, okay, God is love. So God is love in, in what way? Is God, he's not mushy love, right? He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not that kind of love. No, God is love in, in two ways. God is love in truth 
And God is love in action. And when I look at 1 Corinthians 13, I go, here, here, if you will, are characteristics of love. And I go, okay, I can look at the characteristics of love, but, but that's, not, that's, that's not love. That falls under the umbrella of what love is. Those are just some characteristics of love. And so when they write that to you in a card, you can measure all those things in two ways. Action and truth. God is love. Is my mind, my heart, my life, is it aligned with Jesus Christ? Well, how much love have I displayed or demonstrated to other people? And I'll tell you something. I don't, I don't mean to say it in this way. It sounds, it, sounds, it sounds a little harsh. Love that counts isn't loving those who love you back. Now, I know that, that counts. I, so understand. But love that counts is loving those that are hard to love. Love that counts is loving your enemy because that's what God does. Right? God loves us. And he wants us to hold on. He wants us to stay true. And, and that counts that we love God. But we love God because God loved us first. We didn't start out loving God, church. The Bible makes it clear in 1 John 4, we love him because he first loved us. That's where it started. I wonder, when I think about my life, and I think about people, my enemies, if you will, who's going to start the love? Who's going to begin that love? Me or them? Do they love me because I first loved them? Or do I love them because they first loved? There's not a lot of love in this world, church. Not true love. And we can look at America and we can see that, can't we? Just America in itself and the history of America and say, there's not a, love, a lot of love in this world today. We can look all over the world and see there's not a lot of love in this world today. We can look at, watch this, we can look at politics and say there's not a lot of love in this world today. If I speak with the tongues of men, of angels, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I met a lot of people like that, church. How about you? I met a lot of folks that sound good in their speech. I mean, their speech comes out clear, it's defined, and you go, you know, that is a lot of speaking, but I, I'm, I, it doesn't match your actions. You're just a noisy gong to me. Y'all, you, you know anybody like that? I think everybody in the congregation could say amen to that one, because I know you do. And if you can't say amen, maybe you're that one. Right? And if I have the gift of, of prophecy, you know, the gift of gab, if I have the gift of prophecy, I could tell the future because God so gave it to them in this day and know all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains do not and do not have love. I, I am not... I, I can... I am nothing. Here I am standing here, the most arrogant man in the world. No love. Look at me. It's all about me, right? We call it narcissistic, right? A narcissistic attitude. Just look at me. Look at me, church. Look at me. Look at me. Where's the love in that? And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, 
So to remove mountains but do not have love. I, can you imagine that? A guy has enough faith to move a mountain and God says, I don't know them. I don't know him. That, that man is nothing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So we would say, that person's got so much faith. Yeah, but his, his attitude is wrong. His actions are improper. His words, if you will, his verbiage is incorrect. He is nothing in the eyes of God. And if, and if I, give all my, I give all my possessions to feed the poor, I'm out there diligently feeding the poor, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of that. And you say, boy, that person, love, look at him, he loves them. God looks into the heart, you see. If I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it, it profits me nothing. We, we like to just jump to verse 4. You know, love is patient and kind. You've you got to start out in verses 1 through 3. Because God's saying, look, look, there, there, are, some, there are some words and then there are some actions that are out there that look like love, but it's not. It's false love. Right? If I see my brother in Christ hurting, And I avoid him because I don't want to hear, you know, how you doing today? We don't even want to hear that, do we? Do we really want to hear the truth? Think about that, right? How are you doing today? Oh, let me tell you. Oh, here we go. Right? Look, that, that's not love. Right? Don't ask the question if you don't really want the answer. Right? You ever done this? You ever, you ever uh, walk past someone and said, how are you today? And they say, terrible. And you say, okay, it's wonderful. Have a great day. And then. Right, because you weren't really listening? You ever had that done to you? You ever, you ever seen the pain in the eyes of an individual, in particular a member in the, in the body, or even outside, and just did nothing? Verse 13, he, he concludes that whole chapter, you know, earnestly desire, you know, the gifts. We, we want that, right? These greater gifts. Earnestly desire, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you still more an excellent way. And he goes, in, and this is uh, chapter 12, by the way, verse 31. And he goes into this whole idea of what love is. And he says in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 13, or 1 Corinthians 13, but no, now abide faith, hope, and love. But the, but the greatest, the greatest, no, Lord, faith, it is, you know, when I meet brethren with, of great faith, that is, no. That, God says, no, look, that's wonderful, and that's important, and that's, and that's a value, but, but the greatest is not faith. And the greatest is, is not hope, but the greatest is love. Love will meet you at the judgment day, and love will carry you into heaven, and there'll be love in heaven. It never goes away. That's the greatest. Here's what God does. Because we really have a, a hard time separating out the emotion from, uh, from the action, maybe, and the truth. You know, again, we, we hear these words that, and we fall for them all the time, don't we? You know, this, I love you. We fall for it all the time. In fact, we, we use love, the word love so loosely today, it, it has no real definition. It's more of a subjective term. You know, I, I love that. Oh, I love that. I love you. Someone you just met, you know, you, you look at television. They go, oh, I love you. And then what, what does that really mean when you say that? 
I love that act. I love that thing you did. I love, I love, I love, I love pizza. I love, what does that word even mean anymore? What does it even mean? What does it mean? So here's what God does. God, next week, well, we're going to, I'm going to John 13. Next week, we're going to look at what God does. God teaches us how to love. And you might say, preacher, I don't need to come next week because I already know how to love. That's all right. I'll still be here next week, Lord willing, and that's what I'm going to preach on. God teaches us how to love. And it's interesting that when God teaches us how to love, it's that real stuff. It's the tough stuff. Because when God teaches us how to love, he reaches way deep down into the soul and pulls out some stuff that I don't like. He pulls it out, and you're going, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. But you love that, right? But dot, dot. I know you told me to love my enemy, God, but I don't think you know who my enemy is, Lord. God says, I'm going to show you something. Lord, teach me how to love the way you love, not as the world loves. Let's close. John 13, verse, verse 35. Agape of love. Agape of love is sacrificial. There's no question about it. Verse, verse 35 of John chapter, chapter 13. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, they'll know. I don't know. Do they know? Do, do they know? They should, they should be able to see us, you know, hanging out, mingling together and go, man, those people really love each other. And it's something that's visible. It's obviously visible. They, they'll know that, that you are my disciples because of the way you love each other. It's different from the way the world loves. Oh, now I get it. It's not just a bunch of people hanging out and just laughing together, but there's, there's something about the sincerity in our relationships. If you love me, John 14, 15, you will keep my commandments. It's an action, you see. If you love me, here's what I'm going to see. I'll know you love me by the things that you, Abraham going to the top of the mountain to sacrifice his son, and he raised his hand and the angel stops him, and somewhere in there going up or coming down, God says, now I know. Right? That Now I know. The lesson is yours this morning. God loves you. God loves us in a way that almost uh, is difficult to explain. And in fact, the loving kindness of God is unexplainable because it's an everlasting and eternal love. This morning, God wants to forgive you. If you have something in your life that you need to be forgiven of and we can pray with you or pray for you, God wants to forgive you. If you are not a Christian today and you've not surrendered to Christ in the waters of baptism, God wants to forgive you. He wants to wash all of your sins away. If there's anything we can do to help you, just to pray with you or pray for you, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See from the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching.
Continue to have Claire Henry as a reminder. She's the granddaughter of one of the Sadalton members, and she's 14 and experienced um, a tragic incident in her life in which she had a stroke and is paralyzed from that. So remember her in our prayers. We received a thank you note from Javier and Kim Robinson. As many of you know, Kim had surgery in New York City, and she's recovering in Florida and is doing better. And she sent a thank you note for all the kind prayers, thoughts, concerns, cards, and phone calls. So let's go to God in prayer. Loving Father, as we bow before your throne this morning, we're humbled that you hear us, that you listen to us, and that you know our every need, and that you care for us. We're humbled that you've demonstrated your love, not just through words, but through how you've interacted with us, with through how you've saved us, through the gift of your Son. We are not worthy, but we are so thankful that you loved us that way, that you demonstrated perfect love to us. We bring before you this morning those in our hearts and minds that we're worried about. We're especially mindful of Claire Henry this morning and the struggle that she's facing. Many of us can't fathom the hardships and the stress and the anxiety and the pain and the worry that she's going through. So we lay her before you, knowing you are the great physician, the great healer, the one who can do all things. We bring her before you asking for encouragement in her life, asking for hope in her life, asking for healing in her life asking for strength for her family as they deal with this change in her situation, and that you'll bless them. Lord, we're thankful for Kim's successful surgery and her recovery, and pray that you continue to be with her and be with each of those that we know that are going through difficult times. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to approach your throne. We hope and pray that we've glorified you through how we've lived and how we've worshipped this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a brief reminder, um, if you were here last week, you know I I put a challenge out there. I don't know if you were able to spend 10 minutes a day in God's Word this week, but I'm going to renew that challenge. Give us another chance. If you weren't able to this past week or if you did some days but not every day, we want to be a people of God's Word. We want to be a people in God's Word. And as a family, that's our challenge before us this week. 10 minutes of personal Bible study, if you're able. And if everybody took this as seriously as the Valencia kids did, we would be in really good shape. They got mad at their mom for trying to disturb that time. Mom, I can't go do my chores. I can't go to school yet. She's like, well, we got a lot. We'll we'll work around it. But 